Okay, and um, again, welcome to Young Urban Zen. <clears throat> My name is um, Eli, I'm a resident priest here and currently serve as a corporate secretary. Um, I'd also, before I get started, maybe just wanna say, for those of you who are just joining, um, I'm gonna give a talk for about uh, 20, 25 minutes here, and then we'll go ahead and get, uh, have some time for Q&A. And then after that, for those of you who want to get into small groups and talk about the uh, subject matter or the topic a little bit more, we will have um, time for that uh, before we go into um, community announcements. So I want to give a big shout out to May, uh, our fearless leader, and thank her for um, inviting me to speak tonight. And if you um, didn't see the email, uh, tonight we're going to talk about karma, uh, a word that's obviously become quite common in modern day language, but has a really a range of definitions and kind of ways that people use it. So in the, the short amount of time we have, I'm going to try to point um, towards karma in a way that I, I feel is somewhat understandable, or at least understandable to me. Um, and then um, we'll see how that goes. So the last couple of, of weeks, um, I don't know how they've been for you, but for me, um, they've been really heavy, um, obviously with the Chauvin uh, trial. And um, beyond that, there's been further violence, uh, which has been, you know, part of our collective karma together as a country. And so it's always hard kind of preparing for, for talks when there's these big events coming up because you want to say something that's useful, say something that's relevant. And um, yeah, so how, a little bit about how karma came up to me, um, other than the, the obvious focus of it in Buddhism is in uh, probably the, the day or two before the, the verdict was um, announced, um, I was talking to my sister, the right Reverend Shannon McVean Brown, who um, happens to be the 11th Bishop of Vermont. Uh, and that's in the Episcopalian church. It's a big deal. <laughs> she literally has a brass ring and I, I literally have seen people kiss it, but that's a, a whole um, another story. But we were both kind of connecting around the fact that we're um, spiritual leaders. Well, she's a little bit more um, a, a leader in that regard, but no, needless to say, we're both uh, in heavily, um, or for a majority white communities. Um, obviously she's in Vermont and uh, for the most part, San Francisco's Zen Center um, is, is white. And so we were kind of talking about how, if the verdict is unfavorable, um, you know, how, how do we meet that? How do we kind of um, turn towards others with um, a big heart, you know, in the face of something so crushing? And uh, what occurred to us is that, um, well, first of all, for my sister to get where, where she is. Uh, John Hopkins, and not the, the famous one that hospitals are named after, the, I guess it was a common name back then, um, but John Hopkins was the first um, bishop of Vermont and the eighth uh, bishop of like the world um, as far as the Episcopalian church. And he actually used 
the Bible to, to say that slavery was okay. And so it's very interesting to have my sister in the place that she is now. Um, we share the, the same father, um, both of her parents are black. And so uh, for her to be in that, that, uh, that spot is, is a turning of, of karma. But even further reflecting on our ancestors that were around at that time, and perhaps even through the, the civil rights era, um, you know, our ancestors experienced and witnessed very brutal violence, uh, you know, probably a lot more than we've seen in any videos, and then um, had to turn around and, and work the next day. And so um, to imagine them uh, meeting such pain with such things as spirituals and, and humming really uh, kind of inspired us both um, to kind of turn towards uh, what we face in a new light. And so that's part of what, what stemmed uh, me to, to speak on karma. Um, and another thing I wanna say also is that this, uh, another influence or high influence of this talk um, that I wanted to mention was uh, one being the teacher who gave me lay ordination um, before I became a priest, Valerie Beer, who modeled uh, karma with a clothes hanger, which we'll get into later. Um, but it was very um, kind of, yeah, connecting and, and made it uh, accessible. Um, another uh, person that I want to express gratitude is Dr. Larry Ward, whose book, uh, America's Racial Karma, An Invitation to Heal, um, both sheds light uh, really well on both our individual and collective karma and a path to um, healing. And I'm gonna actually let you hear from him in his own words in a moment. So, <clears throat> excuse me, my, I don't have my notes down, so I'm gonna be looking down uh, some. But uh, the karma, um, the standard Buddhist definition is uh, volitional action. Um, and this could be further expressed as uh, when this occurs, that occurs, or when this, doesn't occur, um, this does not occur, or that does not occur. So karma could be uh, summed up as action, uh, seeds that are put into the ground uh, through intentional actions, through speech, body, and mind, and arise when the conditions are ripe. So you may hear someone refer to karma as fruit. A couple of things that uh, I wanna say that karma isn't, um, or this isn't gonna be about good karma or bad karma. Um, and for those of you who are um, maybe more science-minded, mi you could look as uh, karma as being um, basically the cause and effect. Or for every re uh, reaction, uh, there's a, or excuse me, for every action, there's a reaction. Um, in physics, that's actually referred to as a rebound. And so that rebound is uh, some of what we have control over. Um, it's important to remember that uh, karma is not a conscious entity. Uh, this oftentimes, especially in the West, gets confused because we're raised primarily with other religions that, that have a God. Um, and so karma is not a punishing entity. Uh, it's not a, a punishing God or a conscious entity. The real punisher, the punishment comes from us. Um, so specifically you and me um, being the, the individual. Something else that helped me kind of, I don't know, uh, frame this and it wasn't directly around karma, but 
Um, Gail Fronsdale was giving a, a talk earlier, I guess it was last week, and he said something that really kind of stuck with me. He said, in our dynamic or in our living, there are always two things that are happening, okay? What's really going on or like what's reality? Um, and then the second thing that's going on is how we feel or we perceive about what's happening. And so again, um, some of that is that, that rebound. Um, Tension Reb Anderson <clears throat> has a saying, and he says, you are completely responsible, but you are not uniquely responsible. So in other words, you're not alone in this, um, this dynamic with karma or this path. And so, uh, like I was saying, uh, Dr. Larry Ward, uh, who's a senior Buddhist uh, or a Zen master in the Thich Nhat Hanh Plum Village tradition, uh, wrote the, the book that came out, I can't, it's maybe six months ago now, um, America's Racial Karma, An Invitation to Heal. And I, I am in the midst of it, but uh, incredible so far. And I really uh, recommend it to you. And let me just reach forward and I'm gonna play a brief clip. Remember to share sound you like, but we don't do that. Doesn't play. All right. Appreciated about Buddhism, both as a practitioner of many years and from an academic point of view is it's a practice <laughs> and, and I can do something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a college dorm discussion about the meaning of life. It is, if you want to change something, take charge of yourself and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, refine your own mind, refine your own consciousness, develop your capacities for wisdom and compassion and share your talents, love people. I mean, and I know when I'm doing that and when I'm not doing that, it's a practice. It's a practice, yeah. It can be described many ways. You know, some people say it's a religion. Some people say it's a philosophy. Some people say it's a lifestyle. It's closer mm -hmm. to the lifestyle angle. Mm -hmm. But as I studied um, Buddhism, which I have always, I've done for, I don't know, 35 years before academia, mm -hmm. um, it particularly the, the teaching from the Yogacara tradition of Buddhism that looks at how consciousness works and how our natural impetus for self-centeredness uh, can destroy us, can create mass suffering. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of a logical learner. So uh, it's a, a systematic description of how the levels of consciousness, how they work, how we get attached to identity yeah. uh, as our sole meaning, how we get attached to security. Um, and so I, I, I followed that path and then I, 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 I centered in on the body. Mm -hmm. My, my uh, dissertation was about mindfulness, meditation and neuroplasticity. So. Uh, I involved myself in, in four years or more studying the brain and how it works and how our thoughts become neurological patterns, mm. how our conditioning from our society, our parents, our friends, and even evolution itself lives in us as potentials. And for me, um, 
this is more Buddhism in general, but we cannot shift this pattern, which is what I mean by karma, mm. this reoccurring pattern, this repeating pattern. We cannot do that without what in Buddhism is called transformation at the base of our consciousness. Mm. A actual revolution in our perception of what reality is, what meaning is, what value is, what our precious life is, and our precious life includes all of the life around us. Right. All right, let me hop out of there. All right. And so I um, am guessing that you could maybe get a, a small clue on why I did not want to try to uh, repackage um, or reframe that. Um, so moving on, uh, karma is action of intention. Um, again, volitional action in body, speech, and mind. Uh, our consciousness, <clears throat> or I, I should say, um, our experience, our consciousness arises when our senses come into contact with something else. Um, and so that happens uh, through our aggregates, um, or better yet known as our senses, um, eyes, sight, sound, taste, touch, and, and of course, um, the marvelous friend, uh, our mind. And um, with those, we, we label, we create associations, we make stories, uh, which ultimately transform into our belief, our belief system. So um, you'll often hear, uh, again, karma as uh, seeds that get buried and depending how these seeds are met, um, depending on the conditions and how they're watered, uh, the seeds then grow. And um, like I said, from that growing comes fruit and how we meet that fruit is mostly subjective. Um, and that's, um, yeah, I would say in most cases. So the, the idea of karma itself is that it starts in our thinking mind um, and volition. And uh, the primary thing is it's very important to acknowledge that the time by the time that like action actually comes out of our body by the time that we do something we act or we say something it's too late um so really our practice with karma is centralized around our thinking um and i'm sure that some of you can relate to this that even when you think that you have kind of this control this feeling like oh it's not going to leak out like i i never actually say that to somebody or treat someone like that or you know I, i'm i you know i would never you know hurt somebody you may say that even though that that kind of expression comes up um and the teaching say that it's not it's not good enough to um stop there that we actually have to engage with that thought perhaps loving kindness uh, or therapy <laughs> who knows but um the truth is is that we are um conscious, unconscious beings. And so that's really gonna play into how we meet this. Um, uh, Naharjuna, a early Buddhist uh, scholar and a philosopher uh, had a saying, which is pretty blunt, um, but, but true in the realm of karma. And that is karma is an imperishable promissory note, uh, which, excuse me, I'm gonna, I knew I was gonna do that. Yes, uh, karma is an imperishable promissory note upon which the which is written your honor, 
obligations or face the consequences. So again, karma is imperishable promissory note upon which is written your honor, your obligations uh, to is written honor your obligations or face the consequences. Don't know why that was so hard for me to say. So as I said, we are going to get a, a lesson from a hanger. And let me pull this up. Here we go. I'm sure you can all see this. And yes, this represents uh, karma, well, my karma. Your karma might look a little bit different, but mine's pretty ancient and twisted. Um, some of the differences from what the, how this was taught to me is I, I tried to be somewhat intentional with some of the, the chords, throwing some tech. Uh, these are stomach stuff. I, I, I don't know, I seem to get nervous and have weird stomach stuff, some money, of course. I don't know, I partied in the past and my child, Maya, um, actually made this. Um, she, I don't know what she actually does with this, but it, it's her. And this is a, a butterfly that she made. So, but anyways, this is, is karma. That was just me saying some extra stuff. So this is what we create with our actions. Um, and this is my actions up until now. So we build this karma. Uh, one point of practicing with karma or dealing with it is the point is we're not trying to go back in time and, you know, change something completely. You know, I'm not going to take this away and be like, oh yeah, tech was never in my life, la 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 la. That's not uh, actually um, how, it, how it works. Um, and as you know, you can't travel back into time. And even if you did switch something around, it would transform everything else. So perhaps what the, the invitation is, is that uh, we could just kind of, you know, maybe start to change something, move this over here, and reorient it. Maybe that, maybe that just drops away or you maybe unhook this from that bit and, and now we're a little bit more organized or at least some of the stuff has fell off. Um, so again, uh, I'm you know, well on my way to trying to work through all of this and perhaps we'll, we'll get back to it later. Uh, but again, karma is uh, imperishable and is action. So uh, action, uh, which is also energy, um, and energy, again, kind of going back to physics, continues. Um, and so as far as Buddhas are concerned, um, you may not think that, uh, that they have any of this, that they have any of this, this karma. However, let me just take a second here. The difference is, um, is that a Buddha understands that their actions have consequences. So what they do is they just do not tie knots. So there's a cat, there, the karma, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. And so because they know their actions do not, uh, or their actions do cause uh, consequences, they simply just tie knots when they, untie knots when they recognize them. Um, our founder, Suzuki Roshi, uh, spoke to uh, this relationship with karma and pretty much said it's, it's mostly uh, due to our ego, which is also kind of what um, Larry was saying in his, uh, in his clip. So this is Suzuki Roshi uh, from Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. According to the traditional Buddhist understanding, our human nature is without ego. So basically our, our Buddha nature is 
is that without ego? Uh, we have no idea of ego. We have Buddha's view of life. Our egotistic ideas are delusion covering our Buddha nature. We are always creating and following them. And in repeating this process over and over again, our life becomes completely occupied by ego-centered ideas. This is called karmic life or karma. The Buddhist life should not be karmic life. The purpose of our practice is to cut off the karmic spinning mind. If you're trying to attain enlightenment, that is part of your karma. I think that's very important because I, I can we speak for myself? Um, I did come to practice, not maybe for like the shiny enlightenment, but something, you know? Um, and so uh, anyways, just to notice that that is part of my karma, which is totally okay. Uh, the purpose of our practice is to cut off the, oh, I already said that, karmic spinning mind. Um, oh yes, if you are trying to attain enlightenment, that is part of karma. You are creating and being driven by karma, and you are wasting your time on the black cushion. According to Bodhidharma's understanding, practice based on any, uh, any gaining idea is just a repetition of this karma. So that was Suzuki Roshi. And um, now I will move on to a, uh, a koan that I, I feel really um, does meet this as well. So uh, the koan is about uh, a fox or an abbot or an abbot fox, we'll say. But nevertheless, uh, there was an abbot um, many, many lifetimes ago who was asked by a student if a Buddha is subject to cause and effect. The abbot said no, and for that no, he got uh, 500 lifetimes uh, as a fox, just simply for answering that question uh, incorrectly. So after 500 lives as a fox, uh, the abbot uh, comes back finally as a human. And as, when he came back, he would frequently uh, go to the temple, uh, which he was a, a uh, abbot, and he would just stand in the back of the lecture hall listening to talks. Uh, over and over again. And finally, the uh, current abbot asked, you know, what, why are you standing back there all the time? And uh, the current abbot, you know, or the fox abbot kind of explained to him the, the story. And so the current abbot, he really wanted to help, you know, untangle this, this uh, karmic knot. And he says, you know, tell me more about it. Tell me more about it. I want to help. And so the, the fox abbot says, you know, the question uh, was asked, is a Buddha subject to cause and effect? Um, I said no, and I got 500 lifetimes as a fox. So that says, okay, we can clear this up. He probably didn't talk like that, but okay, we can clear that, clear this up. And he says, why don't you ask me the question? And so the, the fox abbot says, is a Buddha subject to cause and effect? And the current abbot said, a Buddha is not blind to cause and effect. So a Buddha, clearly sees uh, cause and effect and unties knots. So the end of the story is, is kind of nice because in typical koan fashion, the fox abbot bows deeply and then leaves. Uh, later in the afternoon, uh, some of the other monks uh, wander out behind the, the temple or the monastery field and they stumble upon uh, the body of a fox. And so they give that fox the full and proper 
um, burial or memorial that they would give an abbot. Um, so that's the story. Um, so please don't try to make it through 500 lifetimes to, to figure this um, truth out. Uh, and uh, in many, it's good to say too, in many uh, Buddhist traditions, karma does actually take place lifetime over lifetime over lifetime like Fox Roshi. And um, if you're interested in doing more study about that, uh, you can look up the Jataka tales. And that is uh, a, a, um, a series of stories basically about the person who eventually became uh, the Buddha um, and how he engaged with karma. Uh, so over you know, many lifetimes in this journey, um, constantly coming to more and more clarity uh, throughout each life about the cause and effect of his actions. So in our school or in Zen, um, we don't really emphasize kind of uh, rebirthing the, the same way or, or getting to the lifetime after lifetimes. However, um, what our school does encourage and, and what I'm speaking to is the belief that um, our life, our existence does take place moment after moment. And so this moment after moment is just a shorter version of that rebirth, um, learning more and more each moment around the cause and effect of our actions so that, um, so that we can do less harm to ourselves and others. And, uh, you know, just really, again, through, through practice and paying close attention, uh, we really do have the, the capacity uh, to, to see this, to see this in our life, uh, just as the Buddha did over multiple lifetimes. So, um, yeah, the takeaway is just to remember uh, that um, what we're doing moment to moment and understand that uh, karma just sets up the next moment in our life. So, again, this hanger represents karma. Um, but uh, from a Buddhist perspective, we are all Buddhas underneath um, all of the, the stuff that you get clouded with. Um, and it may not necessarily uh, feel that way. Uh, but it is absolutely the, the truth. Um, at least I wholeheartedly um, believe it, but maybe that's my karma, right? So I wanted to, to close this evening uh, with a quote from the Buddha um, that uh, sums things up, I think. So he says, through countless births in the cycle of existence, I have run. Not, <clears throat> okay, think again, excuse me as much as I'd like to remember this, through countless births in the cycle of existence I have run, not finding, although seeking, the builder of this house. And again and again, I face the suffering of new birth. Oh, house builder, now you are seen. You shall not build a house again for me. All your beams are broken. The ridge pole is shattered. The mind has become freed from conditioning and, or excuse me, the mind has become freed from conditioning. The end of craving has been reached. 